Good morning. Good morning. Sorry about my groggy voice. Getting over a cold. Yay, more allergies. Over Thanksgiving weekend, kids got sick and passed it on to mama. Yep. And I'm just waiting. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't get passed to me. We'll we'll see. I'm in my last two weeks of class. And so I want to be able to finish strong. Um, and a sickness would really kind of throw a wrench in my plans. <laughs> but we'll see because God's sovereign, right? So he knows what he's doing. Amen. And if I fail, it's my fault. Because <laughs> I haven't budgeted my time. Well, th- but that remains to be seen. Like I said, two weeks left. So let's do this. You can do it. That's kind of what I'm focused on right now. And then my birthday and then Christmas, the New Year's. Yeah. It's a good time of year. It is. Very good time of year. It's busy time of year. Yes. Lots but a of good stuff. busy. Yes. Working at a church, um, Christmas time is hectic. There's lots of But lots this of year isn't as bad. Um, it's not as busy because there's not a big production at church. Yes. So so running tech at church, especially um, I support a lot of different ministries in there in what they do, um, but specifically for Sunday mornings. You know, I, I work a lot with the worship teams and um, the pastors to make sure that everything they need tech-wise is in place. So I'm the details guy. Um, so that means during Christmas when there's usually a big production, um, there's a lot of prep that goes into that. We are not doing a big production this year. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, that's Handel's Messiah, yeah. <laughs> which is usually done at Christmas. <laughs> um, so it's not as busy for me, but all the other ministries are still doing Christmas things. And so that does mean a lot of prep for other smaller, like lots of smaller things, not one big thing. Um, so it's still busy. That's just the time of year that it is. But... Um, I, I thank the Lord that most of our Christmas stuff happens kind of mid-December, so aye, like aye. a week or two thank before. Thank the Lord. What? Oh, did I say that? Yes. Oh, I don't even know what I'm saying I just anymore. Thought it was funny. <laughs> um, but that helps so that the actual Christmas time. Oh, and I get the week between Christmas and New Year's off, which is awesome. Ooh. I mean, unless our new pastor decides not to do that, he's like, no, you have to. Yeah, come to I don't think we'll that see. he will do that. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully he'll let us know within the next few weeks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so life kind of slows down. You hit the reset button and it's the new year, which is awesome. So uh, yeah, December, good stuff. Man, I don't know how we started talking about that. 2018. That's I know. Crazy. Isn't it? Isn't it? I was looking at something and it said that, ex- that it expired in January of 2018. And I was just like, oh, that's a long way away. <gasps> that's a few weeks. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, that is crazy. Already there. But yeah. 2018. So New Year's, all that fun stuff. Sounds yeah, so I guess weird. we don't have to talk about that. That's still a few weeks away. Um, New yeah. Year's resolution. Yeah, if you do that, if you do resolutions. Well, we don't do that. <laughs> Not generally, <laughs> but I go back and forth. Now I find myself in a place where I'm more self-reflective. Um, and I think I've been forced into that because I'm not naturally like that. I think I've been forced into that just with adding responsibility in my life, obviously school, but having two kids and getting more responsibility at work. Like I have seen the value of reflecting <laughs> and planning um, and uh, what that does, like even if I don't follow my plans, which is fine, like even if things change and I have to shift into a different mode, um, it's good to make those plans because of the effect that it has in me, <laughs> because it forces me to set priorities. Um, so those priorities can carry over even if my plans don't. Mm-hmm. So um, in the past, I have not liked resolutions at all. Like, I think it's dumb. I think January 1st is an arbitrary date to say <laughs> yeah. that now everything is going to change. No, if you, if you want to change, change today. Like, yeah. don't wait till January. Change today and and go. So uh, self-reflection is good any time of the year. Um, but now as I'm getting older, I see like, okay, I get it. Uh, well, it's not exact. I was going to say spring is starting, but that's not true. Spring doesn't start for quite a while. <laughs> um, 
but I get the I get the concept of setting a resolution for the new year. Yes, it's arbitrary, but I think it's beneficial to reflect on yourself and what you've done over the past year. Uh, even if it is completely arbitrary, it's good to reflect. It's good to see what you've done. It's good to set priorities for the next year and for your life to see what God is calling you to do and um, where you're moving forward and how to get where you're moving forward to. And that's our episode on New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions. Just kidding. Thanks for listening. If you want to talk to us, you can email us at sotalktomepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can talk to us on Twitter, where our Twitter handle is at so underscore talk to me. Till next time. <laughs> I did not expect that to go that long. <laughs> I usually cut off halfway, but no, this time I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue beating this dead horse <laughs> until it's turned into glue. <laughs> You're messed up. Yeah, that was really Disgusting. bad. Sorry. So, <laughs> with that, um, we watched a movie this week. Right? Oh, we did. Yes, yeah. we did. Black Friday sales came Yeesh. in with some awesome movies. That movie is called Baby Driver. I don't remember. Did I talk about it on the podcast after I watched it in theaters? <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember either. What did you think of Baby Driver? Okay, you're sneezing. God bless you. Thank you. Baby Driver is the newest movie by... And I'm, I completely blanked on his name. Um, British dude. Yeah. It's the newest movie by Edgar Wright. And oh, he's done duh. a bunch of... <laughs> Sorry. That's what it was. He's done a bunch of great comedy in the past. Um, even if it pushes the limits a little bit. Hot fuzz. <clears throat> Hot Fuzz, Shaun fantastic, so good, um, at World's End, yeah. I'd say the the least of the three, but still a good movie. <clears throat> he also did the the TV show Spaced, yes. which is really good, but again, that's the one I think that pushes the limits, like, there's some jokes in there that Call go it. too far. <laughs> Call it. Um, yeah, but this one is not a comedy movie. It has some funny moments. Um, but it's very, de- oh, he also did Scott Pilgrim versus the world. That's right. Yeah, so good. That was so good. So good. Okay. Sorry. Um, this one is more like Scott Pilgrim than any of the others, I would say, but only because it's not a pure comedy. Well, it's not a comedy at all. Um, it is an action movie about a, uh, getaway driver named mm, baby, baby, <laughs> sort of. B-A-B-Y. <laughs> yeah, he says that like five times in yeah. the movie. Um, so you get a feel for like this guy has, yeah, he's done this before. I was worried that Kevin Spacey being in the movie was going to like really throw a wrench in it for me. Um, and <sighs> it doesn't throw a wrench, sorry, it doesn't throw a wrench in it, but it it definitely made his character even more creepy and like even more disturbing. Yeah. It makes it weird. And awkward. You have to realize that this was a written character um, because if you don't and you think it's just Kevin Spacey, it's super creepy uh, because of it pretty much is just Kevin about. Spacey. Well, no. Mm, hmm. I hope not. I would say we don't have to, to get into that. Um, but, yeah, his, his character is strange. Uh, just just don't think of it as a movie and think of him as an actor. Don't think of him as Kevin Spacey because, <sighs> yeah. Anyways, but the movie, what did you think of it? I liked it. It was fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I really liked the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool that, Pretty much the entire movie revolved around what he was listening to. Yeah. Yeah. So like other movies put music that you don't really like notice half the time. And sometimes you do when they really bring it out. But movies use music. Whoa, crazy. Um, yeah. But movies usually just kind of put music on in the background and then do stuff in the movie itself. Whereas this movie 
explained why there's music in the background and it has to do with the main character. I mean, you're seeing most of the movie from his point of view, but he is always listening to music because he has tinnitus. And uh, so a constant ringing in his ears. And there's a reason for that. Watch the movie. You'll get it. Um, and so he's, he's always listening to music so that his ears aren't ringing. So he's not paying attention to the ringing in his ears. And this director, man, Edgar Wright is one of the best directors making movies today. I mean, hands down. He is, I think so. Yeah. It, he's just a master of what he wants to do. You know, like, like Wes Anderson is a very particular kind of director. He's so great at what he wants to do. I wouldn't put him in a different arena because he's weird. Um, Edgar Wright is just very distinct as a director. And um, so what he wanted to do with this movie was set the scenes to music and then gave you a reason why that music is playing um, and why in some cases the music stops because, you know, his iPod or whatever he's listening to falls out of his ears or something like that, which is so cool. The interaction between the music and what's going on on screen Mm-hmm. is like the best things about the movie. Also, it's an action movie and I didn't think I was that much into like car chase scenes, but they are super good in this movie. I I don't get it. They are. Well, and then like you watch the special features or whatever and like all of it is real. That's insane. I remember there's a the, the opening car chase scene there's a scene where he like drifts in between two parked cars and spins the car around while he's drifting. I mean, I, I don't even get how that's physically possible, <laughs> but you see it. So, I mean, I guess it is. <laughs> that That's insane. Yeah. It was a fun movie. Yeah, it is fun. Don't think of it as a comedy. I would say I actually enjoyed it more the second time I watched it because I kind of understood more what it was trying to do. Versus like going into it as, hey, this is an Edgar Wright movie. It's going to be hilarious. No, this this movie isn't. Um, and sure, there are other things that you can say about it. That's not there all are that funny great. parts, but it's yeah, that's, yeah. Just don't think of it as a comedy. Yeah, is what I mean. Yeah, like yeah, because you'll be disappointed. It's not a comedy. It's not all funny. But it's good. Lots of language, so don't watch it around your kids. Yeah. Um, but there's no nudity or anything. So right. That's good. Yeah, there's a weird kind of like husband-wife relationship. She's lots of PDA, but scantily clad. Yeah, and just yeah, PDA. That's that's a good way of putting it. Um, but yeah, good movie. Highly recommend it. All right. So, movies, New Year's, all that fun stuff. Hasn't nothing to do with our topic today Uh, no not not quite and yet it has everything to do with our topic because our topic has to do with everything (laughs) sort of okay the reason i say that ominous statement is because um if you look at the description of our podcast one thing that i intentionally put in there is that we are trying to um, work out our biblical worldview how we see the world through the lens of the Bible. And the topic we want to address today is particularly biblical inerrancy. So um, that basically the doctrine that says that the scripture contains no errors in everything that it is saying, um, or excuse me, in everything that it teaches. Um, it does record things that are untrue, you know, like it records some things that kings say that are not true. You know, it, it records people who hate God saying false things about God. Yeah. Um, but in the things that the Bible teaches, it is 100% true. Um, and so the reason I say that it has to do with all of life is because I think it's foundational to being a Christian is your understanding of what the scripture is. And out of that, you live your life. It actually sets a foundation to how you see the world, how you interact with the world, or how you how you ought to interact with the world. We know that we're sinners because the Bible tells us. 
and and so we don't always act on scripture but as christians we should be seeking to act as scripture tells us to right so um the reason that i wanted to talk about biblical inerrancy is because in the past couple weeks um I have read and heard and seen a lot of things from people that I would consider peers, particularly like in the music industry uh, and and I guess maybe not peers. I'm thinking peers in terms of age, but like people that I've held in high esteem who have recently kind of attacked this idea that the Bible is inerrant that it doesn't have any errors in it and that it's God's word. Um, and it's made me sad that, that, is sad. Uh, that some people that used to be very strong, I would consider strong and perhaps I, I say strong, maybe just strongly conservative, I guess would be the proper way of putting it. But people who have held to the historic Christian doctrines, Right. So so the idea of Christianity and and the doctrines of Christianity that that reach back to um, kind of our forefathers in the faith from, you know, from the time of the acts after Jesus Mm -hmm. um, all the way up until now and their understanding of these different things. Um, So, yeah, it's it's made me sad. In particular, I was listening to a podcast last night where these guys were talking about theology and they were talking about different views on they were talking about different views on homosexuality and how um, this person was talking about how he understands how if you do believe in biblical inerrancy that Paul lays out that homosexuality is sin. So so he was like, "I, I would understand. I mean, that's completely reasonable that you would understand that. But his view was that Paul was working off of incomplete information. So his view says that, well, Paul wouldn't have even understood what a homosexual orientation is. Um, There was no such thing as orientation back then. People just committed homosexual acts. So homosexual acts were sinful um, because they didn't understand what orientation was. And that undercuts the idea the core of why we that's a very arrogant statement inerrancy it it's arrogant in because it sounds like he's saying that he knows better now than paul did back then yeah but i i don't think he would say he knows better i think he would say science has proven these things so he would shift the um the arrogance from himself to science or to scientific research you know now you're right the way that works out is now we know better because of the scientific community. Um, yeah. And again, it just makes me sad because that is a very incomplete view of what scripture is. It's very inconsistent. Right. And that is a word. Sorry. I just got really excited because (laughs) that's a word in my, in my notes as I'm like thinking about these things that has come up multiple times. So, uh, here's what I've written down. (laughs) that biblical inerrancy believing that the bible is the true word of god and living out what the bible says because of its inerrancy sorry i'm I'm muddying the waters but biblical inerrancy i believe is absolutely fundamental to a consistent understanding of christianity of course yeah so i i believe if you believe that it's errant then, I mean, you you either have to believe that it's completely inerrant or you have to believe that none of it is God's word at all. Because it would be inconsistent to to go in between those two. Right. It would be inconsistent. You People do hold but that. But it's not logical. <laughs> right. But it doesn't make sense. Because then who interprets what is God's what right. in there is true and what is false. Right. Because then you're putting a different authority instead of scripture. Like this guy on this podcast is putting science before scripture. And and not even what science. someone has said right. is science. <laughs> right. I would not agree with the fact that um 
with what he is calling science is scientific fact. Right. Um, but th- yeah, that's a whole other conversation. Well, and most people that say that um, scripture is errant is they say that because it was written by men. Right. Which if you if you hold to the view that certain parts are in error and others aren't like I, I know a lot of people say that well they um they see the words of Jesus as inerrant mm-hmm. but not the rest of it mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense at all because who recorded the words of Jesus right man men mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it's a very inconsistent argument and viewpoint yeah yeah so how how would you combat that though Let, let's let's follow that rabbit trail just real quick <coughs> someone who says well yeah this is god's it's what god has has given to you know the prophets the apostles the people who wrote scripture basically um god told them what to write but it came through um it came through man and if you believe that man is totally depraved you know mm-hmm. if, if you believe that we're sinful mm-hmm. then how can sinful man write the words of god faithfully like wouldn't there be an error in in writing god's word down like basically isn't isn't man playing telephone the telephone game where you hear something from god and then put down something slightly different that could contain errors? No, because it's Holy Spirit-led and God doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. So if it's Holy Spirit-led, where do you get that idea from? From Scripture. <laughs> from Scripture itself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is what? Second Peter? Second Timothy 3.16. There you go. And what does that say? It says that all scripture is God breathed and is useful uh, for teaching, rebuking, um, correcting, and training in righteousness. Dang, you got it. So the idea that it's breathed out by God. Um, And this historically has not been um, specifically defined how God does this. Um, Just that he does through the the people who wrote down scripture god actually spoke um god actually wrote everything he intended has been written down in scripture um so while logically you can make the idea that well man messed it up uh god himself says no man didn't mess it up I, the, the reason I gave this to you, the Bible, is to reveal myself and to show how, um, what your response to me ought to be mm-hmm. um, because of who I am. And I'm not going to allow the sinfulness of man to mess up that message. Right. But someone could also come back at that and say, well, but you're getting that from scripture. So how can it really be true? Like someone who doesn't believe that scripture is inerrant. Mm-hmm. could bring right. up that argument okay so there's two different things i want to there's two different paths that i want to go with mm-hmm. this um so i'm going to run down one first and then i'll and then i'll turn back so the first is that when you're talking to someone okay the first is that while i believe like i said that this is absolutely fundamental to consistently understand what Christianity is. I don't think that it's absolutely essential to believe in biblical inerrancy in order to be a Christian. Um, I I think you can be a Christian as in you can um, be saved by God and understand um, the role of Jesus and live for Jesus and not believe in biblical inerrancy. I think it's wildly inconsistent and it's extremely dangerous because it leads you down all kinds of errors that can lead you away from Christ. But I don't think it's absolutely essential 
to believe it because you can be inconsistent and and still believe what some of the Bible says, the essential things that the Bible says about God and about Jesus and about who we are without believing that the Bible is inerrant. So the reason I bring that up is because you said when you're talking to someone who's not a Christian. Um, well, I just said someone who believes that the Bible is errant. Okay. And then I equated that with Christianity. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. So, so I would, I would just say that this conversation is primarily for Christians. Now, obviously people who are not Christians are going to, um, are going to want to try and understand. And I totally get that. Like, um, we ought to have a reason for what we believe, right? We ought to be able to respond to people who ask us these questions. But I'm saying like in a gospel presentation, you don't have to bring up the inerrancy of scripture. I think you should assume the inerrancy of scripture and give scripture as authoritative. Like yeah. scripture speaks into your life because it's the word of God. Um, but I don't think you have to go into the intricacies of biblical inerrancy. Um, I think that's something that we understand That's as something Christians. that should be brought up in discipling. Right. Right, because it's something that you need the spirit to understand. Um, and and I don't know. Uh, as as I've kind of studied this more, I've come to that conclusion because there's a tendency in me. It's like, well, no. How can you be a Christian if you don't believe that the Bible's inerrant? Like the Bible is what actually tells us what Christianity is. Um, so that's my tendency. But as I've studied more, I actually don't think it's an absolute essential because people don't always live what they believe. You know, they live, you can live by scripture and not believe that it's totally inerrant. It just doesn't, it's just not logical. And so I, I don't like it. You know, I don't like that people are inconsistent, but um, it's possible. It's possible. So give people grace is, is I guess what I'm saying. So that was the one road that I wanted to go down the, the kind of, preface that I wanted to put is that this is um, biblical inerrancy is something that Christians ought to talk about and know, um, but it's primarily for Christians. It's primarily after you have faith in Christ, because I don't think you can fully understand it without the Spirit's help. Um, and maybe that feels like now I'm, I'm, like giving something away. I don't know. I don't know. Um, the other place that I wanted to go. Okay. Your question was, don't believe. What was your question again? People who, who believe that the Bible is errant, um, can come at you like first for quoting scripture to prove that scripture is scripture. (laughs) That's right. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So there there are a couple different methods in which we can talk about this and I think they all kind of coalesce um into the truth. There is the uh the more reformed way, <laughs> I guess, if you want to put it that way, of what's called presuppositionalism. And um I'm probably going to completely botch this. Um so please forgive me. I haven't studied presuppositionalism um thoroughly and I ought to, but I just haven't. Um, so forgive me. And also sidebar, um, this is just a, a kind of like a basic primer on biblical inerrancy. We're not going to touch on everything and I'm not going to do justice to what all biblical inerrancy is. So forgive me, but this is just a conversation about biblical inerrancy and what it is and how important it is because it is important. Okay. So, um, yeah, so presuppositionalism, that basically you presuppose that God's word is true. Um, so it is kind of like circular reasoning, because if you use another standard like reason or logic or something like that, in order to determine if the Bible is God's word, then you're saying that reason and logic is actually our standard, um, and it's more reliable than scripture. So uh, presuppositionalism says, no, you don't like reason and logic do um, 
can give you proofs of scripture about scripture can help um, build your case of why scripture is God's word, but that's not the fundamental. The reason we believe it's God's word is because God gave it to us. That's presuppositionalism. Uh, and again, forgive me if I'm, if I'm not doing it justice because I'm not. <laughs> um, the other way is typically called evidentialism, um, but it's basically using reason and logic and evidence to say that the word of God is God's word. And kind of the basics of that go something like this. Well, scripture is a record, is a historical record, and it's a reliable historical record. Mm -hmm. um, and it is the most comprehensive, reliable historical record about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay. So because it is generally reliable, um, let's take a look at what it says about Jesus. And then you see Jesus saying things like, um, well, let me pull out the scripture here. Well, I mean, you have Old Testament prophets prophesying about Jesus, and then you have Jesus quoting back to the Old Testament prophets. I would say that that is evidential right there. The fact that, I mean, if you look at the time span between when the Old Testament was written and the New Testament was written, there's a lot of time between those two. Mm -hmm. And to have things that were written then come about and be proven in the time that the New Testament was written is definitely evidential. Right. Yeah. That's evidence certainly that evidence for yeah. why why it would be true. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Bible hinges on who Jesus is. And if we see it as a reliable historical book about Jesus, take a look at what Jesus says here. I pulled it up. Matthew 22, uh, 31 in particular, but I'll read through 32. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. He says, and as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I'm the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's not God of the dead, but of the living. So Jesus himself here is saying, have you not read what was said to you by God? Jesus is saying that scripture is actually spoken by God. Mm -hmm. It is God's word. And I've got a quote here by uh, Katie Y, Kevin DeYoung. <laughs> I was watching just a, like a Q&A on inerrancy this morning. Um, and he said, if God is speaking, then it must have the same truthfulness and trustworthiness that God himself has. So if this is the very words of God, if this is God speaking to us, then if there is error, then God's a liar. Right. And we, and so therefore, scripture has to be true. Mm -hmm. It has to contain no errors because Jesus himself believes that it is speaking, it is God actually speaking to us. And if the Bible is wrong, then God is lying. Right. And so, I mean, sure, if you inconsistently hold that there are errors in the Bible, um, I don't know why you would worship a God that's a liar. Right. <laughs> Basically. Um, but we as Christians, right, we are followers of Christ. We ought to have the same understanding of the Bible as Jesus himself does. Yep. So I think I think that is the strongest evidence as to why you should believe that the Bible is inerrant because it's the word of God. Um so yes, I just used scripture to prove scripture, but that's it's not on the basis of believing that the Bible is inerrant. It's on the basis of that the Bible is reliable in what Jesus said. Does that make sense? So like obviously you believe that any book you read is generally reliable right or you understand that it's what the author intended to intended to speak mm -hmm. so you're kind of giving the benefit of the doubt that the bible is not just complete lies and that historically what is said about jesus was generally true right the words that jesus used is generally true and there are multiple scriptures that you can go to that talk about um what the christian understanding of the bible is but this one in particular is jesus himself and so uh, you can have evidence 
So, so yes, we do use the scripture to prove that the scripture is inerrant, but in a way that says, um, it, it builds upon itself. And so, yes, of course we would take the, um, what someone says about what they say to be true. Uh, that was kind of confusing. Um, <laughs> but the Bible, of course the Bible would say that it's true. Mm-hmm. Of course the Bible wouldn't say that it's lying. Um, you kind of take for granted that it's generally true, but then the Bible actually claims that it's completely true. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, that's one of the evidences we have for why it's reliable. And like I said at the beginning, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because it has implications for all of life. It has implications of how you view what God has said and and how we ought to live. Like if you don't believe that the Bible is entirely true, then you can cut out the parts you don't like. And you can say, well, this doesn't feel right. So I don't think God would have said this. You know, relying on feeling instead of logic instead truth. of right instead of truth is even what i would say but the truth is logical right yes because god is logical the truth is logical um and and scripture tells us that that god is not a god of confusion right um that he does he actually created logic which is such a cool um such a cool idea because if you don't have God, then why do you even believe in logic at all? I mean, once you take away that foundation of God being logical, there's no reason even to understand lo- like you're using logic to prove logic and you're being, you're using circular reasoning at that point. <laughs> Whereas we have a foundation that is an eternal God. So no, we don't have something that comes before God that proves him. God is absolutely eternal. Yep. Um, but what I wanted to bring up was Genesis 3. So we're talking about how important this is to understand that the Bible doesn't contain any errors. Um, Genesis 3, the fall of man, the very first sin. You see the picture in the Garden of Eden. Um, I'll, I'll just start reading. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So Satan's first attack on humanity. Is what God said. Yeah, his attack against what God had said. Did God actually say? And he has never changed his tactic. That has always been his attack on Christianity. Uh, Even when he tempted Jesus, he used scripture against jesus and he falsely used scripture saying well isn't this what god said well did god actually say that should you really be living out what god has called you to do jesus and that's what he does today and when we falter on this idea of biblical inerrancy when we say well the bible can contain errors well maybe this isn't actually what god says about um, about topics that our society says are, um, you know, backwoods ideas. And you don't, you don't, you only believe in that because you don't understand the science behind, uh, truth. So things like, I mean, obviously homosexuality or, or even different ideas of sexuality. It's not just homosexuality, but, um, what polyamory, so multiple partners, um, transsexuality, just any other form of sexual understanding. Uh, That's a hot button issue. Mm -hmm. And the enemy says, well, did God actually say that it's only heterosexual marriage? Like, did, is that really all he blessed or could he also bless these other ideas of sexuality? Um, Another arena would be like um, evolution. You know, that's really popular. Did God actually say that he created the world or was that just a story did god actually get all of the animals in a big boat like you don't actually believe that do you i mean that's just a story right and that's what he says to us today and that's where we're tempted to say oh well maybe yeah maybe maybe that is kind of crazy to believe 
But if you don't see scripture the way that Jesus sees scripture, then how can you have surety in what Jesus himself has done? Right. Because he said, it is finished. I've conquered sin and death. You see in Jesus' resurrection that he has come to bring us life. He's actually has victory over death, over the finality of human existence. And if he says that God actually spoke this word, and this is actually God speaking, how can you trust in what he has done if he lied on that point? Right. You know? So it's wildly inconsistent to say that the scripture has errors in it and to also trust that Jesus has purchased our salvation and will bring us home to God. Yep. Um, so actually, when you understand biblical inerrancy, it gives you so much hope and truth and joy. Like it's not just a rigid, well, this is what the Bible says, and so I'm going to do what the Bible says. Right. Um, while that's true, it, it brings so much uh, fulfillment with it. Like we can actually have certainty that God has spoken. We can actually uh, have certainty in the work of Jesus and how it affects our life today and how it will affect our eternity with him. Uh, it just gets me excited thinking about <laughs> it, man. I, I love it. I love it. So... As you wrestle with these issues, I would say, you know, take a look at what Jesus said. Take a look at what the other authors of scripture have said. And and there's plenty more um, passages to cite, um, but we probably do need to wrap up a little bit. Um, yeah, I would just encourage you, don't listen to the enemy. Put those doubts in your mind. I say that. It's okay to have doubts, but use those doubts to to seek out the truth. Right. Don't use those doubts to um don't don't feed the doubt. Right. <clears throat> and and so that along with that I do also want to say that we I, I referenced like this is the historic understanding of Christianity. And I don't say that just to say, oh well this is what we always believed, so we should always believe it. I say that to say there have been thousands of years of people wrestling with this issue and there is plenty of material on this issue that you can study. And so if someone comes with a, a view that opposes this, the onus is on them to prove that this is false because like this is an established truth of Christianity. So, so don't hear me say that, oh, well, this is the way it's always been and we should never change. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying that is... there's a reason it's always been. Exactly. And so search out those reasons. So the reason I, I, I go to that is because if you have these doubts, there is so much material. So what, what, what are some things you'd recommend? Oh, gosh. I mean, um, oh, what's it called? So there is, within the last 50 years, there's a group called the International Council of on Biblical Inerrancy. I believe something like that, um, that RC Sproul, he had been the president of, I'm not sure if he is anymore, but they put out material on, um, uh, biblical inerrancy. Some of my go-to places, um, to look up these, these ideas, um, from kind of like modern reformed ish, um, uh, churches, Ligonier ministries, um, they they really hammer this home. Sproul in particular really hammers this home, and he's an evidentialist, so um, so I I like his take on it because mm -hmm. it's not kind of the typical reformed presuppositionalism. Um, although that's good too. Like I'm not saying I, I just like both of them. Yeah. Um. So Ligonier Ministries, uh, John MacArthur is big on biblical inerrancy as well, and he. <laughs> Even though I think he can be a little brash at times, I love his boldness. <laughs> I love that he speaks with authority. Yeah. Um, I find myself like trying to find a middle ground most of the time. He doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is what the Bible says, so I'm going to just speak it. Um, so John MacArthur is great. Um, James White is is fantastic as well. His, his um, book, what's it called? 
scripture alone, right? No, no, it's not scripture alone. Darn it. I'll put it in the show notes. He's got a book on scripture. scripture Is it scripture alone? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Maybe it's scripture alone. Scripture alone. Oh, it is called Scripture Alone. All right, there you go. Scripture Alone by James R. White. Really good book. Yeah. He he also has a lot of stuff on um, textual criticism, which yeah. is really great. So that's like the actual manuscripts that we have of the of the Bible, and so like evaluating those manuscripts so that we can get the words of the authors. Uh, that's another thing we didn't address, um, but I can just really quickly say that the bib that the idea of biblical inerrancy that there are no errors in the bible um we believe that that is true about the original manuscripts Mm -hmm. so what the authors originally wrote so if someone copied a manuscript and say um accidentally changed a word when they copied it or when they translated it that does not mean that the bible is now errant because it's not the original so when we're talking about the bible not having any errors it can have errors of translation it can have errors punctuation right of copying of things like that yeah there there can be errors when that happens i mean that's it's demonstrable that's what happens when people copy things is they introduce error but the originals but the truth is still there Yes, the truth is still there, but the originals are the ones that we would say are completely free of error. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a whole other conversation. That's a huge, huge conversation <laughs> uh, that I think we've kind of touched on a little bit in the podcast, but uh, there's a lot more to that. Uh, so, but, but the basic gist of it is biblical inerrancy is for the original manuscripts of the Bible. Um. Oh, so other other resources. I would say look up the the doctrine of sola scriptura. That is the doctrine of scripture alone, mm-hmm. and that uh, it's one of the the founding five solas of the Reformation. So when the Protestant Church broke off from the Catholic, Roman Catholic. the Roman Catholic Church, um, this was one of the pillars. They said that the authority of church of the way that church should be done of the way that christians should live comes from the scripture alone not from um a hierarchy of churches not from the pope and the bishops and things like that they are not our ultimate authority our ultimate authority is the scripture for how we live as christians because the scripture is the word of god and so god is our authority above church Whereas the Roman Catholics would say, well, it's Bible and church. There's also traditions in the church that haven't been recorded in the Bible. And therefore, the church now actually gets to determine what the Bible says. And so the church is actually above scripture. And that's where we have problems as Protestants. That's where we say, no, that's wrong. It's God. (laughs) It is God that is our authority, not the church. Although we have spiritual authority in the church, it is subservient to God and to yes. the Word of God. So seek out sola scriptura and what that what that idea is, because it's so much bigger than just biblical inerrancy, but it also includes biblical inerrancy. I feel like I've talked a lot and I've rambled a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. This oh, is called so talk to me, sorry. not so listen to me. I mean, yeah, you've done most of the talking. (laughs) Oh, man. But that's okay. It was probably best. Why do you say that? Just because of how I'm feeling. I'm like super tired. I'm kind of groggy. I'm out of it. Gotcha. All right. Well, do you have any thoughts to add? No, I mean, if if you're struggling with the whole quote-unquote science way of things, um, I would encourage you to look up... Um, Answers in Genesis? Give me one second. Yes, that one too, but there are other ones. Answers in Genesis is great though, so definitely recommend that. 
sorry. So yeah, check out Answers in Genesis. Um, look up Jason Lyle. He has some YouTube videos that are awesome. You can listen to or or watch. Um, and there are what's that movie that recently came out? Oh, is Genesis History? That's a really good one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Check those out. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean. I, yeah, don't don't completely throw out and say all science all scientists are biased. Um, yes, scientists have their bias, but they have their presupposition. Right, right, exactly. The way that they look at evidence, um, they're so the way that science works is you put out a hypothesis and then you take a look at the evidence, right, right, and then you fit the evidence to your hypothesis to see if your hypothesis is true. An eisegesis of science. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's how science is done yeah. most of the time, and so um, there can be other theories. Our theory, <laughs> uh, sorry, I did air quotes, is the biblical record, right? Right, which so, is an actual theory. Evolution isn't even a theory, people. It's not. Yeah, so that's a whole other episode <laughs> as well. You talk about evolution. I don't know much about. It's it, an but, idea, but it's not a theory. Yeah. But sci- scientists would take evidence that they see and fit it into the th- their idea of what evolution is, mm-hmm. right? So, so all that to say is that if you're... Well, they come to it already presupposing millions and millions of years. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Yeah. So if science is throwing you a loop, if the idea of science... I, I say science. Ugh, I, hate, I hate when science is pitted against scripture because I completely reject that yeah the bible um while the bible is not a science textbook um i i don't think it goes against science it goes against theories that scientists hypothesize um but that doesn't matter (laughs) the bible's truth (laughs) um so you look into these things look into like don't just take at face value what scientists say like right. it is generally accepted that evolution is true well th- do your research like don't just accept that take a look into it take a look at both sides of the argument weigh the evidence and uh because our god is big enough to hold up against theories of man Amen. right so i believe sure you you have the freedom to think up whatever theories you want because god is bigger than that and he'll demolish falsehood because he is truth and he cannot lie therefore the bible is inerrant boom sucker i'm out (laughs) drop the mic all right so yeah check it out lots of stuff to learn see ya go talk to your spouse go talk to someone talk to me talk to you my son is awake i gotta go get my son okay bye my son (laughs) 